Father, we're grateful for the opportunity to look at these things and grateful that as believers that we have the opportunity that we have something better, not because we're better, but because of what you're providing in this dispensation of grace. So we're thankful for the privilege of being a part of it and that uh, we can glorify you and how we conduct ourselves in it. And we're thankful for that in your son's name we pray. Amen. Okay, we left off on um, talking about the reception of the Holy Spirit and how different it is and that the Holy Spirit we saw on page 15, uh, the E fell on those who were present in the upper room. Um, on the day of Pentecost. And so Peter later, in a message to those in Jerusalem, encouraged them to repent and to be baptized in order to receive the Holy Spirit. And the believers at Samaria needed the apostles to lay hands on them. So you still see some different things occurring. Some of these things that happened on the day of Pentecost does not happen today. And so this is very important to understand. And, it, you know, it sounds strange to even say it here, right? Because everybody here understands that. But you would be surprised how many people take this and believe that Pentecost is being is recreated uh, every time. I mean, the Azusa Festival, I don't know if you've heard about that, in Los Angeles back in the early 1900s. And they believe it was Pentecost all over again. And so you have a lot of misconceptions, and a lot of it seems to be in the Pentecostal circles uh, concerning the Holy Spirit. And so they they go into the book of Acts and it's really the source of a lot of things that they misapply and misuse. And so these things, you have to look at Acts as a transition book. And so you're transitioning from Christ's earthly ministry to where we are now in the church. And there were things that happened along the way in the laying of the foundation of the church that didn't happen again. Now, we've talked about a couple of them. Let me show you the scriptures that we have here. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. This thing is a little too far up on my neck. (laughs) So like it's poking me on my poking my neck. Okay. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. So I believe here what's happening, you couldn't have this happen today because early on in the church, the uh, primarily the church, the church in the early going was primarily Jewish. So I really believe there was the opportunity for the kingdom to have been offered and to, for it to have been established if they had a change in mind. And so you have that uh, shown forth in Acts chapter 2. Notice in Acts chapter 2, Peter pe- preaches this message and notice he said in verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel... And so notice the context is, is clearly, cleanly established for us that he's not talking to the church here. He's talking to the nation of Israel. He says, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made the same Jesus whom you've crucified, both Lord and Christ. So he's placing before them this truth and the fact that he is now Lord, he's master, and he is the resurrected one. Right now, watch what he says here. I believe that the kingdom, if they would have accepted what he said, the kingdom would have been put into place then. They still had an opportunity to accept the kingdom. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked. um, They were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and unto the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what um, shall we do? And then Peter said unto them, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, you're not looking today to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Everyone receives the Holy Spirit at the time that you believe, and we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. 
and he's not going to ever leave you. Nobody needs to lay hands on you to confer the Holy Spirit. You have him. And the proof of the fact that you can see in Romans chapter 8 and also in Ephesians 1, he's not leaving you. He's not going anywhere. It's proof of the fact today that you're saved. And so notice, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. And you will receive at the end of there the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise uh, unto you and unto your children and to all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord God shall call, and many other words that he did um, testify and speak unto them. Um, actually, the word, the word I was, the scripture I was looking for was earlier in chapter 2, uh, verse 22. He says, you men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you. Now notice one of the things that you can see that the reason for the miracles and the signs in which the Lord did by the power of the Holy Spirit clearly tells you right here. You don't even need Greek to see it. English should show it to you <laughs> that he was approved of God among you by miracles, wonders and signs. It authenticated who he was. Right. So that's what the miracles were for. He wasn't just haphazardly going out, healing everybody for no reason at all. If that was the purpose, he would have healed a lot more people, right? That wasn't the reason why. And so now you got people who run with the miracles and the signs. Why well, it was done by the Lord. It should be done today. And they don't understand what's going on here. Now notice, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves know. By the way, you can actually see that again in Hebrews chapter 2, where it shows you the miracles, the signs, and the wonders authenticated the people who were doing the speaking. That's what they were for. And so notice he says, him being delivered um, by the determinative counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have slain. And that's still not what I was wanting to do here. Um, Oh, it's in three. I'm sorry. Well, we're taking a great journey and making some good points. It just wasn't the one I wanted to make. <laughs> Notice in verse 19, he tells him, um, uh, go back, Acts chapter 3, and, and notice in verse, let's start with verse uh, 13. The God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, had glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. And you killed the Prince of Life, whom God has raised from the dead. Wherefore, we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, faith which is by him has given him perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I want or I know that through ignorance you did this as did your, your rulers. And so you can actually see two things there with the Jews. Um, Pilate saw that they did it because they were envious. You see that in Luke 24. Peter is saying that you, did, you didn't know what you were doing. You were ignorant in what you did. And notice he says in verse 19, um, <clears throat> or verse 18, but those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, and uh, so he has fulfilled. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may uh, be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord 
and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the time of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all of his holy prophets uh, from when the world began. And so I believe that they could have actually had the kingdom accepted and placed up, placed in, and they could have had the kingdom established in. If all they would have done is just accepted what Peter had said, the kingdom would have been, been set up at that time. And you said, well, then how would the rapture have occurred? How would the church have, in the sequence of how God does it, he would have done it differently, right? And maybe the church would have came after the kingdom. I don't know. But God has actual and potential. He's not locked into doing things a certain way, right? That he has actual and the potential in his decree, and he could have changed it. And it, there was the opportunity for it to have changed. But you see there, the Holy Spirit is that what we were looking at in, the, in uh, chapter 2 is that he um, came upon them and they had to have the uh, conferring of the apostles' hands. And you see that in, again in Acts chapter 8. And we were here before. When Philip led these people to the Lord, you cannot go into the book of Acts and take a doctrine and make it applicable in every dispensation, particularly today. You do that and you're going to get yourself into a lot of trouble. A lot of the heresies today come out of the Gospels and Acts. And so you have people who see in the book of Acts that they baptize in the name of Jesus only. So now you have people who believe that you baptize in the name of Jesus only. And they don't see that this was transitional. And there were things that were going on here that never happened again. Have you seen churches taking up? Oh, yeah, you have. All their goods and giving them, giving them to everyone in the body. Do you see apostles taking this? Oh, yeah, maybe you have. But that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Now, notice in eight. You have these people that came, came to believe. And notice in verse 12, this wouldn't be said of believers today. But when they were believed, when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and the signs which were done. Now, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, these people believed, but they needed the apostles to come and pray for them. They might, they might receive the Holy Spirit. You don't need that today. And yet we'll have some. There's probably somebody out there somewhere who has a ministry saying this very thing. And notice what happens for a yet he had not fallen upon none of them. They had been saved, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit. You have transition in what God is doing. And as you go through Acts, you see that this changes. And once we get into the epistles, you see that it's cemented that you are baptized into the body of Christ and you receive the Holy Spirit at the time that you believe. Remember, we saw in John uh, Acts 19, Paul saw the, the disciples of John. Uh, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Right. And they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. It says, notice. And he says, and they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And so that's that's not something that, again, you can see in the epistles is happening today. The inference and you can see it from 
uh, New Testament truth that you receive the, the Holy Spirit at the time that you believe. At the time that you believe, you're baptized into the body of Christ. You receive the Holy Spirit. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And we, hopefully we'll see that before we continue. Now, continue. Uh, Cornelius' household had the Holy Spirit fall upon them as P- Peter spoke to them. This was uh, the first time that the Gentiles received the Holy Spirit. It was the reception of the Holy Spirit that led the Jewish apostles to conclude that God had granted the Gentiles to receive the Holy Spirit as he had given to them. Fall, and notice in um, the 11th chapter of Acts. And so Courtney has been here um, on Sunday morning. Or actually go to the 10th chapter where it actually occurred. And so um, Peter is talking. He goes to Cornelius' household. And notice what happens as he's there. Um, pick it up in verse 41. Not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before God, even to us, who he did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to t- testify that it is he who was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. To him give all the prophets witness, and through his name, whosoever believes in him shall receive remission of sins. And while Peter yet spake, these words, the Holy Spirit fell on them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so here we are later in the, um, the origin of the church and you have the Gentiles just now being brought in. And even after this, you will see in the 11th chapter of Acts where they still are going around and it's not a thing that they want to do. They don't really want to go to the Gentiles even still. So this took a while to ferret out. And most people believe probably around the AD 70 when the, when the temple is destroyed, things start settling down a little bit more because now the Jews can't go run back to the temple, right? And so now you have this entity called the body of Christ And it's settling down and people are at ease with the ideal that we have this entity called the body of Christ. It didn't just happen. At the day of Pentecost, everybody's, oh, yeah, we know what God is doing. We have now the church and it's Jews and Gentiles together. Oh, what a wonderful thing. That's not what you see in the book of Acts. That it took a while for this to be cemented. And in that time that it took for this to be cemented, there were some things that God did that were necessary to do in the laying of the foundation of the church. They did not have the canon of scripture as we have today. There were temporary gifts that were given early on that you don't have today. All of these things were important to the establishment of the church. And so when you're building a house, which me and Joyce did some, some back some years ago, there were things they did that laid in laying the foundation that we didn't need after that. You realize that, right? The whole house is not a foundation. And so, I mean, that should be easy to understand. Now notice, um, so the, following the receiving of the Holy, uh, uh, I wanted to show you the commentary in the 11th chapter. In verse 15, Peter is telling these, these of the circumcision who questioned them for going into Cornelius' house. He says in verse 15, and as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them as on us at the beginning. 
Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Remember when we started off some um, uh, weeks ago and we told you that there was a parenthetical statement that was made there in the book of Matthew that you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. That didn't happen in the Gospels. But now Peter is saying, here it is right here. That they were baptized by the Holy Spirit. Didn't happen during Christ's earthly ministry. And so scripture interprets scripture, you see. We'll have to make it up. And so here's things that happen that, that are a little bit different. Now, following the receiving of the Holy Spirit, they were baptized. And, and Peter, and notice, bat, water baptism is not something you do to get saved. It's something you do because you are saved. And so what is it? It's a picture of what happened in the spirit realm when you believed. And so when you died, when Christ died, you died together with him. And so as you go down in that water, you're picturing the fact that when he was buried, you were buried. And when you come up out of that water, you're picturing the fact that when he was raised, you were raised. So a lot of people have problem and I've run across people who have a problem with water baptism. I don't need to be baptized to be saved. I don't need to be baptized even if I am saved. Okay. Hey, do what you want to do. I'm just telling you from scripture, God says it's the you will have a good conscience by doing what he asks you to do. And just because you don't understand it doesn't mean you dismiss it. And I think what's happening in the spirit realm is it's not necessarily some of the some of it had to do with the people that people saw you were baptized and it was a witness to the people. But I think it's bigger than that. I think in the spirit realm, it's teaching angels something about what what went on. Right. And so we, we dismiss a lot of things that we don't understand. Oh, it doesn't make any sense to me, so I'm not doing it. OK, well, there is that you're not saved because of baptism. But you are, if you are saved, you will be baptized or you should be. So Peter was caused to remember the words of the Lord during his holy, uh, during his earthly ministry, which promised the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the future. A follower of the way, Ananias laid hands upon the apostle Paul and he received his sight and he received the Holy Spirit. Right. So these are all things that are happening that you would not see happening today. And so you see it in um, Acts 9. So notice in Acts 9, and we'll look at um, chapter 10, I mean, verse 10, <laughs> Acts 9, chapter 10. Boy, that's a book. <laughs> notice in verse 10, and there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias? And he says, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into street, uh, uh, to the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prays, and has seen in a vision a, a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, now this is always strikes me that he does this. Here's the Lord talking to you. And I'm just thinking in my mind, would I even question what the Lord is? And he said, Lord, I have heard many things of this man, how much evil he has done by the saint, thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, go thy way, 
for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And I will show him how great things he must suffer for my namesake. And Ananias went his way and he entered into the house and putting his hands on him, he says, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou came it, has sent me and thou, that thou might receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately fell from his eyes as it had been scales and he received his sight and um, forthwith arose and, and was baptized. And so he put his hands on him. And of course, he was made to see again and he was filled by the Holy Spirit. And so, again, this is unusual. This is not something that you see that is a standard practice in the church today. The book of Acts is laying the foundation for the church. And so you see uh, the Holy Spirit working in that way because of that. The Apostle Paul met disciples of John the Baptist at Ephesus, who uh, years after Pentecost had known that there was uh, had not known that there was a Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit who had not received the Holy Spirit by the laying on the, uh, the hands of Paul. Um, excuse me, who had not received the Holy Spirit. They received him by the laying on the hands of Paul. Now, you see that in Acts 19. We've seen it before, but it bears um, going over again. So you have the disciples of John and then you had Jesus's disciples and they were two different groups of, of disciples. And one of the places where you can see that is in Luke 11, where John's disciples go to our excuse me, Jesus's disciples come to him and ask him to tell to teach them how to pray as John taught his <laughs> disciples to pray. And so you see these two different groups of disciples. And you see that actually in other places in the Gospels as well. So here's John's disciples. They had not come to understand all that had changed in the dispensation. And this is not unusual. You look over in the 18th chapter and you had a guy called Apollos who had not known that things had changed from Christ's earthly ministry to this dispensation. And so they didn't have cell phones. They didn't have the Internet. They didn't have... <laughs> <laughs> and some people said, amen. They didn't have the Internet. They didn't have all the communications mechanisms that we have today. And so the word got around slowly. So here you find John's disciples who would say something here that you if you say it today, I'm going to think you're unsaved. If you make this statement that they made here today, I'm thinking you're unsaved. Now, notice what they said. Verse one of chapter 19. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples. And he said unto them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much heard whether there be a Holy Spirit. Now, can you imagine a believer saying that today? Jill, what if you said I had not even heard that was the Holy Spirit? I mean, you would think what? <laughs> you might not say anything, but you're thinking in your mind, oh boy, <laughs> you, you wouldn't say that today because this is not how God is operating today. And he said unto them, what then were you baptized? And they said unto him, John's baptism. You wouldn't say that today. Right, Carl, if you told me I was baptized by John's baptism. 
I'm thinking, oh boy. <laughs> We've got some problems here. Our deacon thinks he's baptized by John's baptism. <laughs> and boy, and, and really you laugh at it, but there are people who probably somewhere are perpetuating that. And so then he Paul explains to him, verse four. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with a baptism of repentance unto the people. Now, I would translate that. In the, and again, every time you see that phrase, the people, most of the time, it's talking about the nation of Israel. And we can really see this again in Acts 13, 25, when he tells you that John's baptism was to all the people of Israel. And so he says, John uh, was, he baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Now, you know that there are people who believe. That you can have hands laid on you and you can prophesy. And well, they did it right here. Right? And here you go. And you just have a lot of people doing some really silly stuff. I had a brother once who was in a Pentecostal church and he believed that, you know, yeah, I was saved, but I didn't have the full gospel. <laughs> I didn't have it all. You know, well, before he passed away, God showed him that that was. Not quite right. <laughs> and to his credit, he believed it. To his credit, he believed it. But do you know, he believed for a long time that believers could be saved and not have it all. And a lot of it is coming right out of this book of Acts. Misapplication. Just to, let me show you something here in eight, the 18th chapter of Acts to show you that this was a transitional thing and that not everybody understood all the things that happened. All you have to do is just read through here and you just see it. It's just right there for anyone to see if you really want to see it. Look at the 24th verse. You run into this guy called Apollos. And notice it's interesting what is said about him. Right. Well, he was from uh, Alexandria, which was the educational center of that time. And so he was a well-spoken man. And he really was a point of contention at Corinth because now I don't know how Paul spoke, but they really liked Apollos. And I think that the reason they really loved Apollos was because Corinth was an educational center. It was an educational area. And you can see it today. People like rhetorical speaking. They like rhetoric. And they like not what is said, but how it's said. Oh, this guy is very polished. And people are suckers for that. They really are. And so Apollos, I don't think that Apollos was a bad guy, but because he was an articulate guy or well-spoken guy, the Corinthians really loved him. And I notice what happens here in verse 24. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man. And he was mighty in the scriptures. Now here, these scriptures here is pointing back to the Old Testament scriptures. He had a good handle on the Old Testament scriptures. And he came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in the spirit 
and he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord. Now notice here the, the caveat, knowing only the baptism of John. In America, we have gotten away from the fact that words matter. Again, in our culture, we say a lot of words that are pointless. So it's easy for us, I think, when we come to Scripture to think that Scripture is just saying pointless words. But the words matter. So here it matters that he's pointing out to you that he only knew the baptism of John. That's setting your context of what's going on here. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when he, Aquila and Priscilla heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly or really more accurately. Right. So they came to come on, Apollos, you, you didn't understand. Things have changed. It's we've gone beyond the baptism of John. That there's a new dispensation here. And notice what happened um, in verse 27. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he was come, he helped them much, which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly showing that Jesus was the Christ or really the resurrected one. Jesus, and this would have been <laughs> something they would have understood. Jesus, the one you killed has been raised. And so notice he did not understand what that there had been a change. And so you have this happening in the book of Acts. It shouldn't be happening today. So in many churches today, sadly, you can go into many churches today and they're still living under the baptism of John. They're still living under the earthly ministry of Christ. And I think Annie Johnson Flint captured it very well in that poem that she wrote. They're the way of the cross. Some people never leave there and they're stuck there. And you can see it in their spiritual life. And so uh, today, believers are baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. And notice you see that in First um, <clears throat> Corinthians chapter 12. So at the time that you believed, you're baptized into the body of Christ. Um, instantaneously, this happens. Well, did you see it? Were there heavenly angels um, over you when you saved, singing a heavenly chorus? Where well, I happened to die. <laughs> he was given a special dispensation. <laughs> but <laughs> and so notice. It says in verse 12 of First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, for as the body is one and has many members and all members of that one body being many uh, are one body. So also is Christ already the Christ. So it looks at Christ. You don't have a body without a head. So the members are making up the body, but Christ is the head of the body. Right. And so that technical uh, definition is there to show that Christ is the head of the body. And notice what happens here. And, and this is important to understand. <clears throat> All each believer constitute a part of the body of Christ. And each part is important. Now, I know that they tell you today that they can take out your appendix and it doesn't matter. Well, it was there for a reason. I don't know why it was there, 
maybe you can function without it, but I'm sure there was a reason. I think they're finding out now that your appendix actually has a lot to do with your immune system. Right? And so they're like, oh, for a long time, they say, oh, I just take it out and it's not doing anything. Well, just because you don't know doesn't mean it's not doing anything. And so the same thing about the body. Each person is important in the body. Every individual believer is important in the body from God's reckoning. <laughs> Verse 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized um, into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and whether we be uh, all, excuse me, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And so here we are, we're baptized together into this body. And I believe, and I saw bumper stickers many years ago when I was driving for FedEx, and it says, Christianity, a race of its own. Do you know, I really wanted to stop that person and say, where did you get that bumper sticker? I'd like to get one of those. Because that is absolutely accurate, right? So whatever you and I were before we came into this world, that's gone. You lose all of that distinctiveness. You now are seen totally different. And the the sad part about it is, is that here's God's estimate of you, but here's the believer's estimate of themselves. That's the sad part. And what you can really see is that as the believer is able to bring himself to God's estimate of who he is, that never changes. What changes? As I'm growing and maturing and allow the Holy Spirit to do the work, I begin to see myself as God sees me on a consistent basis. That's what the problem is. It's not with God. He's already provided for the believer everything that we need. And so it's, it's sometimes we don't always see it. So you see that we were baptized into the body of, of Christ and we've noticed we received the Holy Spirit at that time. Notice in Romans chapter eight. In Romans chapter eight. Now, notice, and we'll start with one, and we'll read down through. Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And you understand that in the original, that rest of that is not there in the Greek language. Again, it was a scribal uh, error in the, um, in the translation. Remember, just to remind you, this is a translation. It is, and it's only as accurate as it lines up with the original language. <clears throat> For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law, really a righteous act from the law, would, um, might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For they that are after the flesh are really according to the flesh. And I think he's talking about an unsaved man here. Those who, according to the standard of measurement of the flesh, notice how they what they do. They mind the things of the flesh. They are continually reflectively thinking on the things of the flesh. So you talk to an unsaved man about spiritual matters and 
might as well talk to that wall right there. They don't care about those things and not going to even have any desire for them. <clears throat> but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded are really a result of an act of being carnally minded is death, or really a quality of death. And that word for death is thanatos, a separation. But to be spiritually minded, a result of an act of being reflectively thinking on the spirit, is a quality of life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, and it is not subject to, really not the law from God, but a law from God, neither can it, it, uh, can it be. I'm sorry, it was the law from God. Uh, and neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You mean to tell me that you, if people think that an unsaved man can please God, they think that by praying, an unsaved man can pray to God? My father refused to associate with some of the pastors in our town because there were a bunch of heretics most of them probably weren't saved. Why would I go and why would he go be in an association with people who said that they were ministers of God? They probably weren't even, un- they weren't even saved. Their prayers weren't going anywhere. What are you praying about? <laughs> you think that an unsaved man can do something that's pleasing to God? Do you think that he could do works that are pleasing to God? He doesn't have the ability to do anything that God wants nothing, nada, and that's hard for people to believe. That God doesn't want it. Hey, he doesn't want it from a, a believer that's, that's carnal. Do you think he wants it from an unsaved man? And so they don't have the ability to please God. Notice the contrast over here, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be, the Spirit of God dwells in you. <clears throat> and so that ideal that the, the Spirit of God is housed in you. Um, and notice, now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ or the Spirit belonging to Christ, he is none of his. So now, didn't we just read that there were people that were saved back during the book of Acts that temporarily didn't have the Spirit? But what did John say, Paul say to those uh, disciples of John? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And what did they say? No. What did he just say here? If you do not have the Spirit of God, that you are none of his. That seems like there's been a change to me, right? And so notice he said in verse 10, And if since Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. And so the spirit, the Holy Spirit is housed in us. This here is his temple. I know it's just hard for people to believe. That really all three members of the Godhead are indwelling in you. And we don't always think about that, right, with some of the things we did. Now, what you think in the Old Testament, if that somebody went behind the veil and just walked back there, 
It doesn't really matter what their intentions were. If they would have walked back behind that veil, it was, as Courtney said, El Zappo. They would have been done for. That's how sacred it was. But we don't see our bodies in that same way. Right? Our bodies are really the dwelling place for all three members of the Godhead. I don't know. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around that at times. But the believer today, every single believer has the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. Now, what he's doing in you is a whole different ball. <laughs> that's a whole different ball game. And that's going to be really relative to what you allow him to do. Now, the evidence of the Holy Spirit's filling of the saints in the early church is seen in the activities of the believer. The believers, they spoke with boldness to those who had authority to harm them. Uh, notice in um, Acts chapter four and verse eight. <laughs> That's why uh, you really can see that uh, cowardice really is a, it's satanic. And, you know, you have a lot of believers today who are fearful to say what's right. Man, if we could just do that. And I know. All of us have our breaking point. And we all have a, a time when our tongue, we lose our tongues. Because it's expedient, it's not expedient to do it. But these guys, because they, uh, the Holy Spirit was working them, in them in such a way, notice the response that they had uh, in Acts 4. Um, and they had healed this guy and they were getting persecuted for it. And um, notice... <laughs> They had told them to stop preaching in his name and then actually, in their minds, conferring the blame for the, the Christ's crucifixion upon them. And notice in verse one, and as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them and being grieved that they taught the people and preached uh, through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and they put them in hold for the next day. And it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them, when they heard the word, believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders of the scribes and Ananias, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and so many as the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power, really what authority, uh, or by what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined for the good deed done to this impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, now they had told them, don't say that anymore. <laughs> they keep telling them, whom you crucified, <laughs> whom God raised from the dead, even by whom, by him, does this man stand here before you whole? This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Uh, let's see here. Now notice down to 13. Neither is there salvation in any other, um, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must or it is necessary to be saved. So 
Now, you can see this even today. We can see a picture a little bit of what these guys were facing, probably not the facing death. You go out there and tell people that it's by the name of Jesus that you're saved today. There was a guy, I saw a video in Portland. He was on the Portland State campus, and he wasn't even given the gospel. He just went and just said the name Jesus, <laughs> and people started screeching. <laughs> I mean, they're just screeching like demons in these people. They're just hollering and just going crazy. And all he said was one name, Jesus. <laughs> they just couldn't take it. And I, you have that kind of thing going on today. You really do. Now notice in verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge that they had been uh, with Jesus. And then down in 29, also in verse in 31. Um, 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by thy name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spake the word of God with boldness. And so I can't muster up the boldness on my own. I mean, I think that that's something that is um, um, a result of being spirit filled. I mean, look at Timothy. When Paul told Timothy to go over to Ephesus and to not ask them, pretty please, can you not speak this Old, this Old Testament doctrine? He says, you charge them to stop speaking a different kind of Old Testament doctrine. And Timothy wasn't up to the task. And we are told in the second epistle that he was a coward. And what was Paul's answer to his cowardice? Empowerment by living in your position where you access the grace of God and now the Holy Spirit has the ability to enable you to stand firm. You can't do it on your own. None of us are going to be able to do it on our own. But when we are filled by the, the Holy Spirit, we have that ability. Now notice they were gracious in the suffering for the cause of Christ. And this was because of the Holy Spirit. They spoke with wisdom that could not be withstood. You see that, for example, in Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. Now, you can have a lot of information, but I really think it's the Holy Spirit that helps you to be able to take all of the information you know and how to use it in the right situations. And so you have a lot of people that have they have a lot of knowledge of scriptures, but they you can see sometimes they use them not in the right context, right? They use them out of context. They don't know how to what to say to the right person at the right situation at the right time. But there's a wisdom that as the believer fits filled by the Holy Spirit that he's able to access. And you see this a little bit with Stephen. Notice in verse uh, 55, as he's talking to these um, Jewish uh, believers, or excuse me, these Jewish leaders. Um, notice, we'll pick it up in verse um, 51, where he really, man, you'd have to be filled with the Holy Spirit to just be blunt, right? <laughs> he's just blunt with them. Now, this is not how you win friends here. You stiff neck and uncircumcised in heart and ears. 
you do always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Now, that's one of the things when we were younger and you played the dozen, you start talking about someone's parents or their ancestors. That was just, those were fighting words. Notice what he says here. Which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted and they have slain them, which showed before the coming of the just one of whom you have now been the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the disposition of angels. And notice here, here's a good verse to show you that the, the Israel didn't keep the law. It's amazing that you have people today that believe that the law is just the greatest thing and that it's the thing that's going to make you righteous. They did not keep it and neither can you. And they received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him with their teeth. Now, they weren't cannibals. I think that they just grind their teeth at him like. Uh, but he being full of the spirit looked up steadfastly into heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing again. There's a great preposition here that's really important. Out from the right hand of God. Now, I don't know if this is typical. We only see it here, right? Where the Lord Jesus stands up and he's standing at, out from the right hand of the Father and Stephen looks up into the third heaven and he sees him. Now, I, I don't think that's going to happen when you die, but I don't know. <laughs> We're not told that this is typical. But it's interesting that it's, it happens here. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and he cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And so here you see the Holy Spirit who, who was able to enable him to have this disposition he had. This is not natural. Now, I know if somebody was stoning me, I don't think if I'm carnal that the last thing I'm going to say is, Lord, lay not this to their charge. <laughs> I don't think that would be the last words that I spoke. 